When looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Well, excuse me! Looking for good ideas for life? You're far from good hands. Hey, bud, what's your problem? If you think the listener is always right, you're far from the right place. Out of order! Even in the future, nothing works! Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, but a rebel by choice. Are you threatening me? If you want a host that floats between love and madness, and we know the night is always gonna be here anyway. Thinking of you's working up my appetite, looking forward to a little afternoon delight. Then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. All right, guys, uh, listen to the blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? Warning, creators of this game do understand the subject matter may be offensive to some, but they do honor the families and people that have been affected by these real-life tragedies that these individuals have caused. Wanna play a game? Oh yeah! Lover of true crime? Yes, yes, yes. Well, we got an interesting game for you to check out. Wow. With the mashup of influences such as horror movies, collecting cards, and RPGs. What? Led to giving birth to an incredible creation of this game. Killers, the card game. You are all my children now. This game is a collectible trading card game featuring some of the most infamous killers with tidbits of trivia on the back of each card to help you learn some insight to each criminal. Who the hell are you? Let's not forget, during the game, cops will be chasing you and these criminals. I'm a cop, you idiot! However, check out their website listed through all social media today, which can be found under Killers, the card game. Am I on the internet? I want to play a game. Hey everybody, this is Jeff Hayes from SleepawayCampMovies.com and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, according to the interweb, because we know everything was true online, 
November 18th, 1983, there was a debut in New York City. And then in the following May, on Memorial Day weekend, there might have been a debut of this same film in L.A. And the film was this little nugget called Sleepaway Camp. So if we go by the first date of November of 83, we are 40 years in, folks. And this next guest wrote a little book based on the movie. He was also referred to almost, I would say, Godfather-like in terms of starting the website in the 2000 era, late 90s, with a man we'll get into from Australia. All the fun stuff he helped reunite and bring Sleepaway Camp to the forefront. But the book is Sleepaway Camp, Making the Movie and Reigniting the Campfire. Author Jeff Hayes. Jeff, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? All right. So I guess we got to actually make this sound good. Okay. Which is scary. So first and foremost, I know the story. Obviously, I read a digital copy of the book today, but also getting some physical copies mailed to me. Thank you, 1984 Publishing, the publisher house of the book. But what got you hooked for the movie? Well, I was about 11 and, you know, being that age and where everything you see is like, you know, it's so standout. Seeing a movie like this was just, it was just wowing, like all the crazy stuff that happened. And it just, you know, worked its way through my mind and, uh, you know, just kept me thinking and thinking. And uh, I think that's kind of how it all started. So, and... I will go ahead and, yeah, spoiler alert, Ada movie's been out 40 years, give or take, like we said, but also, though that we are and have been, everybody's been celebrating the 40th anniversary, so we're good with the November date. But, and I've told Felicia this joke, so I'll say it here, never claim to be PG content. And, but, you know, it's funny, and I'm try- I've been trying for years to get her on and I saw her last weekend, but it's it's all good. So I'm going to have to use you to help recruit. But the <laughs> joke I always tell her is, because I know she's one of your favorite people in the world as well. But the joke I always tell her, and spoiler alert again, folks, is obviously the end of the movie where we see she's a boy and all that fun stuff. I said, you know, you, I got to... And I told her this the first time we connected. I said, I got to tell you something. She goes, what's that? I said, for being a 13-year-old boy in the movie, which she was 12, 13 when they filmed all that fun stuff. I said, you make me jealous. She goes, how do I make you jealous? I said, well, you were built bigger than I am as an adult. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, but I said, but that's what you get when you're Jewish and get everything half off, but... (laughs) <laughs> and you know you know her it's like oh my god that's hilarious i gotta get up and give you a hug for you know that's <laughs> there I had you, her, go. you know what i mean that's her her oh my god that's the funniest thing i ever heard 
<laughs> so, uh, anyway, like I said, it wasn't going to be PC tonight, folks, but I don't give a Not with this movie. It can't be. No. <laughs> no. Even in this day and age with everything, I'm going to grab a glass of whiskey. F*** it. No. <laughs> Did I say it? So, all kidding aside, jokes out of the way, the book, what made you go with the book? Make, obviously, you split this in two parts. It's the making of the movie, and you have new material that may or may not have been discussed publicly before. But on the other side of that, you talk about finding everybody, reuniting the Anchor Bay DVD, all that stuff. So how did how did the book finally say, you know what, I need to do this besides the website? Uh, I, I actually was contacted by uh, Matt at 1984 Publishing, and he had said that, you know, for the past couple of years, he had been thinking about his company putting out a book on Sleepaway Camp. And he had been familiar with the website and my story since the late 90s. Um, you know, so he had asked me if I would be interested in telling that story and writing that book. And I thought about it and I was like, you know, wow, this this really might be a neat opportunity to kind of, you know, to tell my story about, you know, the last 25 years of everything that you know had happened since uh the conception of the website and you know just tracking everybody down and doing reunions and screenings and just bringing everybody back together getting another movie made and you know so yeah i mean i like the idea that you know this was an op an opportunity to you know to tell the whole story of what has been going on uh the past 25 years but also um to give the fans a chance to get the most comprehensive look at the making of the movie um that's ever been told um because i you know i wanted to get people involved who i hadn't talked to yet and and uh you know get them in the book discussing you know their contributions to this magical piece of cinema well you know the cool thing about this project too is besides the book there were packages as well and i don't know if it was a limited time release or whatnot i didn't write that down shame on me but you had a or you guys were able to get the music re-released as part of the project some on vinyl and such so what was it like getting that part incorporated as well as part of the release that was fun because we were able to for the first time put out frankie vinci's remake of the angela theme and um that had been something that he had made a few years ago, but had never been released. And we were like, oh, geez, if the fans heard this, you know, they would love it because, you know, it's a lot like the original, but done in a more vamped up rock sort of a way. And um, so 1984 asked me to talk to Frankie because I'd been friends with him for a long time and, you know, asked him if he would like to get involved in putting out a new vinyl with his songs from the movie, uh, as well as you know, this new version. And uh, he he was definitely interested. And uh, so we all had a big conversation and uh, just all, we all made it happen. So, you know, it's funny that you say that and that it seems like you are the middle ground in a lot of ways with this particular franchise, we'll say. <laughs> because The middleman, definitely. Yeah, yeah because... <laughs> Obviously, early on with the website and all that fun stuff, you were getting connected with Felissa and Jonathan and 
these stories are more in depth with the book, folks. So I'm not going to go word for word for things. But then you ended up getting connected, you know, with the director and just who's is. Well, I got to ask, is it true he's a lawyer now? Yes, it is. <laughs> Ooh, thank God Tom's giving me okay for that watch long in the, in the new year. <laughs> Since he, but that's a whole nother story for another time, but which I'm definitely going to have to have Jeff involved. Uh-oh. So for those, well, for never mind, I ain't going to tell that story because I happened to meet Tom uh, Vandell at a convention back in October. We were uh-huh. booth buddies next door to each other. So the other project you mentioned, the new movie I'll mention because it's sitting here, is Return to Sleepaway Camp. Man, I wanted to stream this movie the whole bit, and that's when we got into the conversation at this convention. But, you know, it's interesting. And you probably can tell me because you are have been a hardcore fan of the movie. And obviously I picked up on it later on in the past few years finally. But where do you think the fan base really started from? Because obviously you had several generations at this point. You had VHS and Beta 85-ish. You had HBO and cable like things like that on cable, I should say, in 86, 87, 88. Then DVD, which was going to be bare bones, and why I say you were a middleman, because you were connected with Felissa and Jonathan and everything. So where do you think the fan base really grew, grew from? Because it's definitely a cult film and franchise. Mm-hmm. It, it you know it started definitely with the VHS tape because I've heard so many stories over the years from you know from the fans who said that you know they rented it when they were you know 12 13 14 years old and it was this movie that they wanted to show all their friends and you know so it was a big it was a hit movie for like birthday parties sleepovers things like that and you know I think the VHS and then you know it's cable cast you know, it's kind of where it really started kind of picking up and starting to spread a little bit. Um, and then eventually in the later 90s, when we put the website together, you know, we created a place where like everybody all across the world could come and celebrate this movie all in one place and talk about it. All these people who wanted to talk about their excitement for the movie, who didn't they didn't need to know somebody who had seen it before or whatever. It, they had this place now where they could talk to all these other people around the world um, who enjoyed it. And that really kind of lit a big campfire and, uh, you know, just everything just really kind of took off after that. Because before, as things were growing online, there was mostly forums and such where people chatted and you started your chat about, camp movies and the Friday the 13th chat and all that. And to insert this here, because I'm a dope, Robert Hiltzak is the director I was talking about. I was tongue-tied, couldn't get it out, but definitely mm-hmm. got to give Robert his due instead of just saying the director. But Robert actually went to camp at the location that the camp was at, correct? When yes. When he was a kid? Yep. yep. How about that? 
So, you know, the other thing when doing some research, I found it interesting was it was the special effects team from creep show. Yes. Kind of makes sense from death scenes and a certain pedigree for the effects at the time. But what was that like learning something like that and doing your deep dives? That was, that was probably the most uh, exciting part for me because I was talking to people who had, you know, over the last 25 years, I hadn't even yet talked to about, you know, what they had done on the movie. Um, and one of the people I had tracked down was the production designer, Bill Billowit. And he was, you know, he was huge. He was so important to, to designing how the effects were going to be done. And um, so to get everything firsthand from him, you know, that was wonderful because I was able to learn how some of the effects were were pulled off. Um, stuff that, you know, Robert over the years didn't exactly want to completely give out because, you know, it's all movie magic. But, uh, you know, between Bill and uh, Ed Fountain, who was uh, mechanical effects, you know, these guys, you know, really got into the nitty gritty with me and we were able to, you know, go over all this stuff and I was able to learn uh, how a lot of these things were, were, you know, finally achieved. And that's, I would say one of the charms with the film and I've only seen part two and return, but I'm leaving return out because it's a more modern film in terms of technology and all that stuff. But we, like I said, I know everything online is true, but Robert apparently put together, and I should say Robert's wife, Michelle, was key with this as well because she was involved with the production. But I think it was like a $330,000, $335,000 budget for the film. So, and everything was practical with the effects. It wasn't everything CGI and all that fun stuff because the technology wasn't there yet but how much do you think or maybe you do know from all the research that how much budget was there for practical effects for the original film that's a good question i don't know exactly how much was put aside for the effects i mean that wasn't a very big budget but i know a significant portion of it was used for the effects um but you know even you know ed french and the people working on all those effects weren't getting paid you know what they really probably should have because the the budget was so low and you could only do so much um so you know these guys were were really really creative and were able to you know were able to do things for less money and still make them look very gruesome and realistic yeah, because I think of uh, guys like my buddy uh, Mick Strong, who I'm sure you know as well, you know, mm -hmm. in the horror community and such. And tell Mick would tell stories over a drink or two and saying, especially with like things like Nightmare 3 and 4 and all, where which were still low budget. But it was, how much money do we have to work with? Well, we'll get, we'll get pennies on a dollar to get that, whatever you're trying to do on screen if that makes sense so yeah, yeah. it would make sense that they did the same thing with Sleepaway camp and the Definitely. sequels that you it looks like they spent for every ten dollars spent 
you actually spent maybe three or four. You know what I mean? It it looked more spent. But I want to get into briefly parts two and three. And hence why I said I'm leaving return out because I don't know what the budgets were and all for that. But do you think they jumped the shark with parts two and three as far as the story because it wasn't it was based off Robert's idea for the first one but you know what I mean they they I, if I remember correctly they eventually made this sexual or the surgical change and you know just the different things as far as storyline goes so how does how do people look at two and three when they uh talk about this whole franchise uh, two and three are looked at as very fun movies. Um, I think, you know, yeah, they, they definitely went in a different direction, but they went in the direction of kind of what was going on at the time. Like, you know, we're looking at 1988 when part two came out and this is when Freddy Krueger is at the peak of his popularity. Yeah. And he's telling, you know, he's joking about everything he does. He's kind of become less scary and, more about mixing comedy elements in with the horror. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's, I think, the idea of more of what they wanted to do with two and three. But I mean, in its own way, it worked because I think both of those movies are a heck of a lot of fun to watch. Um, they might not have the mood that the first one does, but they're, you know, they're still a fun, entertaining time. And, you know, it's funny because there were references in part two for sure. I actually rewatched part two again today. You know, just taking notes and going through the book and everything else like that. But there were references with like the Freddy Glove and the Jason and Leatherface and all in two. As far as they could take it, obviously. But was there any blowback from like some of the other franchises or studios going, hey, time out here? You know, you know I, I never really heard too much about that. I mean, they did it in a parody type of way. So, you know, I, I, that's one thing I've never really heard, like, much complaint about or anything. You know, yeah, yeah, they used a Freddy glove and a hockey mask and a chainsaw. But um, I think people just got into the whole parody angle of it and just went with it. So, you know, it's funny. Well, two and three are what they are. School, all that fun stuff. Obviously... I had read that you did a treatment and story for a part two of your own. And obviously we have Return to Sleepaway Camp here on physical medium. Thank you for doing that. And there's a story of why it's not digital. I'll leave, not my story to tell. <laughs> but how much of your story is in this version compared to what you wrote? years ago uh, just the fact that a couple characters from the original are back in it really um because the the treatment that i had written was before i had even found robert hiltzik uh the rumor going around was that he had actually passed away and uh so uh you know i had written a treatment that in case i tracked people down and could get people interested in doing the movie and if robert really wasn't around you know maybe we could use this as kind of a starting point um 
but you know, I always kept the search on for Robert and uh, luckily we did find him alive. And then you get to see that movie you just held up right there. Return to sleepaway camp from the mind of Robert Tilson. <laughs> and this story I will tell from the book. It's funny. And like I said, I won't say word for word because we want people to actually buy the book. Buy it, folks. Yeah, I got your money. You connect it with Felissa. Do what they, folks, this was before email and everything else I was joking about earlier. They actually wrote letters on pen and paper, all that fun stuff. They called it snail mail, which I use still to this day. But you connect it with Felissa. And she had a... What's it, a journal and she had people sign it and stuff and there was a phone number in there and that's how you ended up getting connected with robert correct yes yeah before um I and it was a happy my... accident too oh definitely yeah I, before i left to go on my trip to new york to you know we were going to spend a weekend together and do felissa's first uh interview for sleepaway camp uh for the website and um i i'd said you know can you pull out anything that you might have had at the time so we can go through it, and, you know, take some videos of it so we can put it up on the website and, you know, just and cheers to the Howard Johnson, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I love but that. Howard Johnson. It had a nice uh, ice cream machine that you could like put a dollar in and get an ice cream out for that. I'll never forget. Um, but yeah. So, um, so when we went out there, um, she, she pulled out that journal that she had actually found at her mother's house. And uh, we were looking through all the different notes and stuff that were written to her by the different cast members back in 1982. And one of those notes was written by um, Michelle Tatosian, the producer's sister, Victoria. And she was like, hey, you know, here's my number. And uh, just, I don't know, I think we were just like all like, Hey, you know, this, this journey has been incredible so far, you know, let's see what happens. And I was like, Hey, you know what? Let me try calling the number. I mean, it can't hurt. Let's see what happens. And, uh, called the number and it ended up leading me to Michelle and to Robert. And, you know, that whole weekend was just, uh, pretty incredible. <laughs> so the website, obviously I mentioned John, who was a fan from Australia he did a lot of the writing and encryption for the website, the way I understood it. Yep. And is John still with us? What's wait? What's John up to this day? Yeah. Um, uh, around, uh, I, I want to say like 2001, John kind of started doing a website specifically for the sequels. Uh, okay. and, whereas I kept doing the site for Sleepaway One and the forthcoming Return to Sleepaway Camp. And, um, but yeah, um, I am actually, it's crazy. 25 years later, but uh, I'm working on a project with John, um, something that's going to be coming out next year for all you Sleepaway Camp fans. Uh, can't really give uh, too much away, but um, yeah, me and John kind of like reconnected and, uh, you know, we're both still huge fans of this franchise and we both want to keep, you know, giving the fans more of what they want. And so, yeah, so John, yeah, he's still around and, um, the boys are back in town. See a brother to get that booty act. <laughs> Leg it down and smack him, yak him. Cold got to be. Yo, <laughs> shit. There you go. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. When I was, like I said, reading and everything, that obviously Robert went to school and 
studied economics and chemistry and such. What yeah. what in the hell led him to be a lawyer? Boom, boom. Let's all go to court. Boom, boom. Hey, you lawyer guys, you don't know me and Johnny are watching you while we're high. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Um, he, you know, for a while, I think he did want to make movies as a career, but found out that it, you know, wasn't quite as easy as, well, not that he thought that it was easy, but it just, it's not an easy thing to do, you know, but getting your movies funded and, you know, getting your script. The process approved. of it. Yeah. The whole thing is just, it, it's wild. Um, and, you know, so he, him and Michelle started a family and Robert was like, you know what, I got to pay the bills. And so he went and finished up in law school and started. Got a real job, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the way it had to go. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, you know, it's funny. Uh, but... Yeah. No, some people are lucky in that, you know, they grow up with parents who are in the industry or whatever. And they, it kind of, you know, they just go into it because of that. And they're always able to to do that as their career. But, you know, uh, Robert's family wasn't in movie making. Yeah. It's just something he he wanted to do. And, um, you know, real life got in the way. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and it's a shame because I, and I I'm just guessing here. But Mike Kellen, who played Mel, the owner of the first camp and such. Was, do you think he would have liked this whole revolution of the, between the conventions and the love that a lot of these folks get, whether it be from Sleepaway Camp or other franchises, because the con circuit has become, it's become such a big deal. Yeah, you know, I don't, you know, I I don't know enough about his personality to, to be able to really answer that, but. Um, you know, he was involved in a lot of like um, horror type stuff. He did um, Twilight Zone type shows and things like that. So, you know, I would I would guess to say that he probably, you know, would would have gone to some conventions and definitely would have liked to have meet uh, a lot of the fans. And when he saw all the enthusiasm that the fans bring, how can you not, you know, uh, yeah. how can you not love that? So, but the one I'm actually looking forward to, and I've been talking to her the past few days about doing something, is Catherine, who played Meg, who was probably my favorite character <laughs> in the movie. Because I, I am a heel at heart, as people would know. But Catherine actually wasn't originally booked to play that role. Am I right with that, or what happened there? Uh no, Catherine was. Uh, the one who was not originally going to play the role was Karen, who played Judy. Karen Fields, correct? Yes. Now, I've heard different philosophies and opinions of this, but was there ever concrete reasoning on why the original person who was cast, who's done well on her own, didn't take the role? Because the one, the majority one I've heard is about the whole with the the curling iron. So, what do you know to be fact and fic separating the fact and fiction and stuff? 
Um, actually, I, I think it was Felissa who originally told me that she remembered at the time um, that she had heard uh, that Jane Krakowski, who was originally set to play Judy, uh, decided against doing it because of the whole, you know, graphic nature of the curling iron incident. Um, and then so Robert went back and thought about the audition that he had seen from Karen, who I guess he he thought had maybe done a better job anyway. But the reason he didn't originally hire Karen to play the role was because he wanted a blonde, because he wanted a visual contrast between Angela and uh, and Judy. Um, so he didn't want another brunette. But thinking about, you know, how well he felt that she, you know, portrayed the character, uh, he went back and after um, Jane decided against it, then he went and said, all right, let's let's bring Karen in. Okay. So obviously there's documentaries and all kinds of stuff out there. Well, why I'm saying that apparently there was a documentary being in production. Do you know the documentary I'm referencing? I think so. Um, if I remember right, that's something that I think they originally tried to get off the ground like five or six years ago. Something like that initially. And there's footage that's been done and stuff. Do you know anything on that? I was going to see if you knew the status of it. No, actually, I, I was never involved in it at all. So I, I don't really know anything about it. Um, I know Felissa uh, was involved as a producer at one point. Um, that's about all I can tell you. So some, uh, you know, some people have asked me over the years, you know, what what's going on? How come this hasn't come out? And I'm like, I'm not the right person to ask about this because I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess a lot of people, um, I guess they, they did a crowdfunding type of thing and fans yeah. put in money to, you know, to be part of it. And then, you know, they're, I guess, worked up because right now there's nothing to show for it. And uh, yeah. But again, you know, I, I tell them when they ask me about it, you know, I'm not the person to ask you to talk to the producers about this. Because um, there's a couple other people that I know that were involved with, but I just don't want to drop other names because I don't know if they were involved with this project. Because I know there was a group there that have done other documentaries and stuff. And I don't know if it's the same full group or not. With this sleepaway camp and the website and just everything that you've been a part of the past 25 years, even longer as a fan and stuff, what do you say? And I know this might be a little biased because of, like me, relationships you built and all with this franchise. But what is your favorite character in the series, but also... What would you say is your favorite film of the franchise at this point? Wow, that, that's kind of hard. <laughs> um, I know, I know. Like I said, there's it's a mixture <laughs> personal and professional, and yeah, be... yeah, there's, there is a lot. Um, I mean, I I like so many of the characters because you know, in all of them, the characterizations are just you know, every single character has this strong characterization. And you either like them or you hate them and you want to see them get killed or you want to see them make it to the end. Um, you know, I love one, one of the characters that I love to see the progression of was Ronnie. 
because, you know, he started out as the head counselor and, um, you know, he was this guy who, who wasn't, you know, he wasn't really known for, um, the acting part, I guess, so much of the movie, um, as he was for his muscles. And, uh, when he came back and returned to sleepaway camp, he got to play Ronnie as like this freaked out, paranoid Ronnie. And it was just something I don't think anybody ever could have ever imagined. Like this character from the first movie is now playing this paranoid, freaked out guy. And he really impressed me with the job he did. And, uh, you know, so he, he's definitely one of, uh, one of those fun characters. I mean, I, I love them all, uh, so so it's hard to yeah. really. And I'll say this with that, with that reference of Ronnie and stuff, and Paul's interesting guy, I, nice guy the whole bit. Uh, but it, it it's funny. Can you, if we look at the characters just based off the character and the storyline stuff, it's not like you can fault Ronnie to be paranoid and everything else based on what happened in the first film. So. Oh, definitely. I mean, the the story of the first movie just worked its way into his brain. And, you know, he's still working in the camp industry. And, you know, just, you know, it was gonna, it was all bound to crack sooner or later. <laughs> exactly. So let me ask you this, because I've heard this story been told, obviously, as we get ready to wrap, is that uh, Robert had... Robert, I should say, wants to give a kickstart to the franchise again and do like a modern version. Will that work? I don't know if you exchanged ideas and all that stuff, because I'm sure you've built up enough in a relationship. You can kick around ideas. I know you shared yours with him and from the treatment I mentioned earlier. But can that work today? Because when I think about it, how many... In 2023, get ready to go into 2024. How many people are go kids wise are going to camp and everything else where that was more common in the late 70s, early 80s? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, the story isn't exactly the same. I mean, there's definite there's definite parallels to it. Um, and you know, a lot of the characters are the same, and um, you know, some of the events are the same. But it it's made for today, you know. It's it's made for today's world, and and the issues we're having in today's world have been weaved into the story. And um, you know, I I definitely think it works because yes, I think that during the seventies and eighties, going to camp was probably more popular for for teenagers at that point. But I mean, it's still happening now. Um, it's just you know done in a little bit of a different way, and. I think that that story goes into this reboot story and uh, you know, it, it's still a movie that you'll be thinking about because there's so many, there's so much subtext going on all over the place. And you got these characters that, you know, each character is so strongly defined and, you know, all the things you love about sleepaway camp, they're all there. Um, but again, it's just, it's, it's written for a more, for a 2024 world instead of 1982. <laughs> and you just brought up a good point and actually reminded me for final question is obviously the world has changed 
in terms of it's more discussed now the lgbtq plus community and you know transgender and you know just a lot of those different topics are more discussed sometimes polarizing whatever i don't give a shit but it's more of a discussed topic now so how do you think this does this make or does that make this project more discussed you know where maybe back in that time period in 82 83 when the movie was made it wasn't like it what we weren't as open as a society no matter where you stand on the topics how you know how does that work then compared to now if if that makes sense where i'm trying to go with that i can't seem to articulate it yeah no you know actually in both eras i think it's difficult because you're dealing with with topics that sometimes are difficult to deal with especially in terms of a a movie and uh, get and telling a story um so i think there were things that were difficult back then about you know dealing with homosexual characters and especially when you're dealing with kids you know nobody wanted to to touch that back then um but sleepaway camp did and so now we're dealing with other issues and, and still some of the same stuff but some other stuff and i think there's still some tough decisions that are going to need to be made um when you make a movie that deals with all sorts of you know these topics duality issues and gender issues and just th there's so much to it and the reason i don't think i could articulate it folks and i want to make this clear because i'm gonna get hate no matter what you know whatever <laughs> you i don't give a shit <laughs> but i am learning more and more about the topics so i'm not judging one way or the other I have friends in the community, you know, that are educate me. And if I are open to, if I have a question about something within the field, they tell me. So I'm learning like everybody else. Okay. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was just curious to know how it would work with the film from back then and all. And I think you answered it quite well. But if folks want to, get the book it's 1984 publishing but i'll have links to it do amazon all that fun stuff but if people want to visit the website because i know you still update that as well where can they go for that that's sleepawaycampmovies.com mr jeff hayes thank you so much for the time oh thank you my pleasure <laughs> Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order 
your specific custom mask from any other films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Crazy Train Radio. Don't take a nap. 